right, we are live with my buddy Zach Rollins from the warm and sunny Rhode Island. And we're just going to mash it up, talk about some real estate, maybe talk about some pugs, talk about some business stuff. Zach, if you want to introduce yourself and tell the people what you do, where you're living now, what you've been up to. Yeah, so um, living here in sunny, warm, and bright Rhode Island, which as we speak, it's snowing at the moment, which is like the first snow of the year. And it's uh, just the beginning, the first week of January. Um, pretty much grew up in Rhode Island, was born in California, moved to Rhode Island, moved to Florida, moved out to Hawaii with you, uh, which kind of, which is how we kind of solidified our friendship. But I have a couple companies. Um, I'm a boat captain by trade. So I've, I've always been doing that. And then most recently started a business called downspout, which is a home service company based here in Rhode Island mostly doing uh, window cleaning, pressure washing, and all exterior cleaning with both commercial and residential contracts. Um, got started in real estate after listening to my dad tell a story uh, about his buddy who lived in LA and was a policeman. And then after that, um, just started buying real estate. And knowing how much policemen make at that time, so this is probably almost... 15 years ago when my dad told me that story and was just kind of blown away by it. Like here's this guy that's making 60 grand a year, but meanwhile has a big portfolio of properties that are being paid down and he's able to cash flow them on top of that. Um, all with a pretty moderate salary and is then he has he is you know exponentially more and more wealthy so and then as i grew up and uh went to college i would always listen to like the bigger pockets podcast just trying to absorb as much information as possible and then eventually almost a year ago uh, today um i bought my first multifamily and house hacking it right now so it's a two family in west warwick rhode island Picked it up for right around 300 grand, put a lot of work into it, a lot of sweat equity and rented the bottom unit out. And I currently live in the top unit. So that's a, uh, that's the download. Sweet. That's a lot. Um, so I guess two questions I have from that is where do you feel like you, I think you're always, we're always learning, but where real estate clicked for you. Cause for me, I used to like, I'm very number centric. So I'd be like, oh, that property only makes, you know, if you buy it, Plus the mortgage, you're only going to make a thousand bucks a month. That's a lot of money. But I never, like when I was younger, I never understood the leverage piece of that. So what, was it that story that unlocked that where you were like, oh, this makes sense? Like I understand depreciation, the debt pay down, the leverage of capital, or is that something you kind of learned more recently as you bought your place? So you're like, ah, this is how it's actually, how you play the game. Yeah, I think more recently when I was, when I learned about him, I was like, you know, 14, 15 years old. So I didn't know. Did you have the mustache then? I did not have, <laughs> I did not have the mustache. This is a recent occurrence. And I only committed to this mustache because I accidentally used a one on the beard when I thought it was a three, which is typically what I do, but I grabbed the wrong, uh, the guide, I grabbed the wrong guide. So, uh, no, I think what unlocked it for me was just listening to bigger pockets and all the other, um, you know, information resources out there when it comes to real estate. And at first it was like, Hey, I can own a piece of property 
and pretty much live for free um, while someone else is paying for taxes, mortgage insurance. So that's what really kind of, you know, drove me to pursue buying a multifamily was the idea of like, whoa, I can move out of my parents' house and live for free, you know? But when I did a lot more research, I was like, oh, wait, wait a second. I can actually buy an asset that's always going to appreciate for the, for the most part. Yeah. Over a long enough period of time. Right. Right. Over a long enough period of time. Um, it's way more conservative and safer than conventional, um, investments like, you know, Roth IRA, 401k, uh, the returns, right. If it's cash flowing piece of real estate are far better year over year. And then it also becomes like a miniature bank account. You know, so instead of having money sitting in a bank, uh, seemingly losing money with a fight against inflation, um, but also being able to know that I can then leverage against what I have in on my house and then be able to go buy more property. So um, it just was like, wow, I can this is how people be, go from rich to wealthy to, you know, generational wealth. Yeah, I think what was crazy, too, is like we so I live on the big island. And when you told me what the rents were in your area versus like what you could buy a place here, because pretty much here, it's like, I mean, if you're looking at a house at 700,000, like there's not a lot to look at, you know, Mm. so you got to spend like seven to a million dollars to buy a a duplex, which whether it's legal or not in Hawaii, you got to hide the kitchen, that, that whole thing with the laws. But anyways, um, and so you paid 300,000 and then what were the, what are the current like rents in the area? Yeah. So when I bought this house, it granted it needed a good amount of, you know, TLC, a little love, but I bought the house for, it was listed for 300,000. I bought the house and after, um, you know, working with the owner on some, I, I forget the Seller word. Seller concessions. Yeah. Concessions. That's it. Uh, got it down to like 291. So was like, wow, this is kind of a great deal, you know, for where the market was at. And at a five and a half percent rate, um, you know, my mortgage was is only really like nineteen hundred bucks. So after looking around and working with my realtor, found this place, got another contract within twenty four hours of it going live, and then closed on the contract. Kind of had some bumps in the road in terms of getting there, but based on my research, I was like, I'll probably be able to make like, you know, 17 to 1800 bucks. So really only out of pocket, like a couple hundred bucks at most. But, you know, as the market kept um, just getting crazier and crazier and rates going higher and higher, more people were looking to rent. And I just kind of threw the number out there. I was like, man, 1900 bucks, you know, like just a hair under two grand, but still high enough where I thought like, I don't know if I'm really going to get it. Well, I got 24 people reaching out um, to see if they could rent the property. And uh, just had, the downstairs, just to clarify. Yeah. Just the downstairs. Yeah. Just the downstairs, um, which I did not do a, I did a, like a, more like a cosmetic refit, if you will. Like, did paint you, the walls. What's that? Did you do the classic landlord paint the uh, electrical uh, outlets? No, no, no. I took those off. I did a okay. good job. I did nice. a good job. Uh, but yeah. You know, painted the walls, um, cleaned up the floors a little bit, and you know, bought a new oven, 
fix the fridge, fix some electrical, put doors on, on hinges, like that sort of stuff. Uh, made it look nice. Like it's a nice spot to live. So, um, so when you were, um, I want to back it up to when you were looking, cause I think when people are looking for a deal, they think that like, you just go on Zillow today and you're going to find what you're talking about. So how long did it take you? And I'm trying to remember, cause I remember you were telling me you were looking for a place mm-hmm. and it was a long time. So how long did you look? Did you feel like you had the right realtor who was like hunting for you for what you were looking for? How proactive were you? Like what was, because in any market, but especially the market we've had, you got to be on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really, really challenging at the time because the interest rates had just kind of gotten out of that three and a half percent, like really low. So they were starting to climb and they were right around five and a half percent. And there was kind of like this almost a little bit of like a fear because I was like, hmm, I wonder like if, the, if these rates still keep going up, like, am I going to get priced out? You know, I think that's what a lot of people are dealing with at the moment is it's just they're just priced out from buying anything. Um, so I, I was looking for legit eight months, you know, constantly on RI living, which is like the front end of the MLS here in Rhode Island, Zillow, Redfin. I had every email signed up for every freaking you know, real estate site out there. Um, and was just going to a lot of open houses, uh, pretty much as much as I could. But at the same time, like I was looking for a very specific type of property. I wanted something that I know I could put some sweat equity into, but not so much sweat that, you know, I would run out of capital. Um, and at the same time, be able to make it make sense on a, from an economic standpoint, you know, like I don't want to have to get into a note for $3,000 and be able to only get 2000 bucks worth of rent. Like I kind of wanted it to almost be a net net, you know, either break even, maybe pay a little bit or make money, you know, like, so that was a very kind of specific thing to look for. Uh, and I also didn't want to live in Woonsocket or Pawtucket or any of the, any of the kind of really shitty areas of Rhode Island. And now granted, there are some really great areas up there, but, um, I wanted to avoid that because what I was looking for was a multifamily and typically that's kind of comes with its own sort of, um, sentiments around like the quality of where you are. Uh, Yeah. Usually the the zoning is not, you know, you're not going to be on the golf course, uh, yeah, you're going to be in like a, yeah, you're going to be in like a B or C class neighborhood and yeah, mixed use or right. Um, and West Warwick is a up and coming, I would say area, you know, like it's a spot where, um, there's definitely a younger crowd moving in, but there's still some remnants of like the old West Warwick, which was not the best place to live in Rhode Island, but also not the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good it's coming up. Yeah. Sweet. What was the, um, so when you were doing the financing side of the deal, were you looking at like a first time home buyer program, FHA? Cause I know if you do uh, one to four unit, you can qualify for most of those. Um, mm-hmm. so what, what was that? Was that kind of the first thing you looked at or like, how am I, how is that going to finance this? Yeah. The first thing I got was approved, you know, and that was a process, but once I got approved, um, I wanted to go FHA because initially, you know, three and a half percent down, uh, reasonable interest rate, like all these other incentives 
But what had happened was because I was uh, going to so many open houses and whatnot and putting in offers, I think I put about 15 offers in over the course of the whole process, maybe a little less, but it, I was just getting beat out, you know, time and time again, it was really, really frustrating because here I was like looking for eight months and just kind of getting my teeth kicked in every, every which way I went. So eventually I talked to my lender, which was a regular conventional bank, a bank called bank five. And, uh, he and I were just like, you know what, let's just switch you to conventional. You're gonna have to pay a little bit more down. I think I ended up paying 10% down. Uh, but what it's going to allow you to do is become a more reputable buyer and you'll get more, uh, hopefully, you know, more people looking at you rather than the other FHA buyers. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. Sometimes, especially, you know, and I mean, if it's all finance, you know, pre-approved letters on the table with a offer, if they're all offers are all the same I mean, they're looking at mm-hmm. obviously a cash offer, but then they're going to go through and see which who's going to have the strongest chance of, you know, the deal going through. Um, right. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the methodology behind that. And, um, it worked, you know, it was no sooner than we got that switched over, I was able to, you know, put, put an offer and get it accepted on this house that I'm in now. So, um, so how long have you been in this place a year yet or not yet? Uh, I bought it on the 27th of January and okay. so almost a year yeah, and then days. I eventually moved into it probably at the end of July, mid to end of July. Just doing so, work to it. Yeah, I was just doing work to it. I was like, I'm going to get the first floor rented. And then now I know that, you know, money's coming in the door. I don't really have to stress too, too much about it. Um, but get the upstairs the way I was comfortable living in it. Cause the upstairs was way, 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 way worse than the downstairs. Yeah. It needed, it needed a lot of love upstairs. Was it carpet? Uh, it was. There was some carpet and vinyl flooring um, that was just old and just nasty. The previous renter was smoking intermittently in the property, so you know you could tell there was some smoke damage. Um, it was just gross. It was super dirty. She had a collection of wooden giraffes for some reason. So it was just like everything. Wait, was wait, just- where did the giraffes go? Did you hold on to them? No, no, no. They got rid of those. Um, oh, damn. But it was, you know, I'm pretty sure she, uh, well, I know she died in the apartment. I don't know how she died, but. She was probably trying to wrangle a giraffe or something. It, possibly. Um, but yeah, it was definitely needed a lot of love. So refinish all the floors, uh, new plaster on the ceiling, painted all the walls, uh, new kitchen cabinets, new countertops, reworked the kitchen a little bit. Um, the appliances were still good. I mean, I'd rather have new ones, but for what it was, it was, it's great. And, you know, it really kind of cleaned it up. You know, like if, if I showed you pictures of what it looked like before I did the, you know, the, the renovation, like you would not want to live here. Yeah. So I didn't want to live here and my standards aren't, you know, I, granted I want to live in a nice spot, but I'm willing to kind of eat a little shit versus living like a gorgeous, you know, place. Yeah. What's your, uh, so what's your plans going forward? Are you going to try it? Uh, cause you're 26, right? Yep. 26. Yep. So this is your first one. So what's your plan, um, kind of to build out your portfolio portfolio? Is it going to be mainly multifamily? Um, 
same area you want to be in? What's kind of your plans? I know it's going to change. It's not going to ever stay the same, but uh, in your head right now, what do you think you're going to want to do going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think going forward, it's going to be very situational on where things are at in life too. Um, but the plan that I've been sticking to is buy one a year or maybe the right word isn't buy, just acquire one a year, whether that's through creative finance, which um, I've been doing a ton of research in and, and been starting to put into practice. Um, and the goal is to, you know, kind of stick with the multifamily route because again, it kind of adheres to that. Well, one side helps pay or offset the mortgage and then the other side you can then live in. Um, plus there's a little bit more from a, there's some tax incentives that go with that rather than buying a single family and living in that one single family. Um, so yeah, the, the goal is just kind of, kind of hop from one, two to four family for now. Um, and keep building their portfolio. And hopefully when I turn 30, I'll, I'll grab just a regular single family and live in that given that there's enough cash flow coming from the others to pay for more multifamilies without me having to necessarily live in it. Um, there's nothing wrong with living in multifamilies, but you know, having your own physical single family is always, is always nice. Nice. What is, um, what's like one thing that you, I think we all listen to podcasts and like, you know, it's all glamorous, right? HGTV and you're renovating your home. It's, it's Mm -hmm. when you start actually grinding up old uh, cigarette butts and vinyl floors. So just in the grand scope of things, like for your first deal, like what's one thing that you learned that you were not shocked about, but you were like, okay, this is new information now uh, that Mm -hmm. you weren't expecting going into it. It's going to be more expensive than you think it is. Let's just put it that way. You know, having never owned a home and having, but having done a lot of projects around the house, my parents' house, my dad's house, um, working for carpenters, other people. When you do the work, you don't necessarily see how much it costs to actually get the materials and the supplies and the time and people. And once you start to see those numbers, you realize how expensive things can get. You know, and all of a sudden putting paint, you know, a base layer of primer, another base layer of the um, kills, odor blocker, stain blocker paint, renting equipment from a Home Depot. All of a sudden you painting the house goes from, you know, oh, it's just a couple gallons to, you know, you put 20 gallons of paint in and it literally costs you like, you know, $3,000 just to paint the inside. Yeah. And you're doing it yourself. And you're doing it yourself, right? Yeah, like, and I could be over exaggerating a little bit, but like, not that that is a deal breaker by any means, but you're still like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't realize it cost that much, you know? And I think that's something that, um, people don't realize is sure. Even if you got a, a house subject to, or seller finance, you still need cash, you know? And I was just talking to a friend who's a developer. Um, he's like, yeah, getting subject to deals and, and seller finance deals is great, but you still need money in order to get that house looking the way you want it. So therefore it comes rentable and maintain it. Like all of a sudden, you know, a tree goes through the roof. Like, yeah, it might be uncovered by insurance, but what about if the siding wasn't or this or something or hit a gutter, like everything costs money. Right. So I think having more money getting into it was kind of an eye opening thing. Um, And then the other thing would be is, you know, 
I guess from a from an actual doing the work perspective, um, the biggest thing I realize is your friends are really really helpful, but then don't be shocked by the fact that they don't know a whole lot about you know fixing stuff, right? I grew up in a world where I was always doing projects around the house with my dad, with my mom, but not necessarily everyone that you grew up with or know did the same thing. Um, so I think that was kind of an interesting thing that I learned personally, but I think the biggest takeaway would just be like, you know, put more money away for those projects. Cause it's going to cost more than you think. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen too. Right. True. Yep. You could get into something that all of a sudden you need, you know, lead some sort of lead something, something right. Yeah. That you're like, Hmm, shit. I didn't know I had to spend that kind of money.